Welcome to What the Tech, sponsored by ProServe IT. We are excited to have you join us on this educational journey through the ever-evolving world of technology. In this series, we will dive deep into the fascinating realm of cybersecurity. Today, we kick off our first episode dedicated to simplifying your organization's security journey. Get ready to discover actual insights and practical steps to enhance your digital security. Cybersecurity is an ongoing process, and it's never too late to start. Learn how to streamline your security journey with a simple and effective three-step process. Assess, protect, and monitor. Let's get started. My name is George Abusamra. I'll be your instructor today. I'm a principal consultant and security practice lead here at ProServe IT. So in today's class, we'll be talking about simplifying your security journey. Now, delivering security that is effective and simple is not an easy feat. There are a lot of things to think about, from getting buy-in and support from upper management, to finding credible and experienced resources, to managing the security elements within your environment. What I plan on getting out of today's session is to help everyone understand certain steps to take to simplify your security journey. So as for the agenda today, first, I'll explain some of the challenges organizations face today with security. Then we'll talk about ProServe IT's cybersecurity house model to better understand security using a house as an analogy. We'll then explain our three-step approach to simplifying security. All right, so today, organizations face an incredibly difficult task of trying to protect their expanding digital estate from increasing cyber threats. The move to the cloud and a more mobile workforce, especially during COVID times, has pushed the border of your state beyond the boundary of your physical network. Your data, your users, and systems are everywhere today. So some of you might be in a hybrid scenario where your servers are on premises still and other services are in the cloud whether that be the Azure cloud, the Google cloud, Amazon Web Services, or any other cloud out there. Others might have people working remotely, accessing data on your servers, or stored in a cloud repository somewhere. Some might be using their own personal devices to access corporate resources, and you're unsure how secure those personal devices are. Now you wanna make sure you've covered all your bases and thought about what risks you're opening up to your organization, with each decision made. So the security operations purpose of protecting an organization's information and assets is becoming increasingly difficult. Now you can see some of those reasons listed here on the screen. One of which is that attack techniques, frequency, and complexity are evolving extremely fast. A typical attack can span different parts and cross various resource types. It might start from an email address, proceed to your endpoint, spread to a cloud service, or to a database. It could involve multiple user accounts and so on. Another challenge worth noting is that security teams are under strain from the expanding range of defensive technologies and not knowing what security tools they need and as hybrid cloud adoption increases. Now this can cause alert fatigue where we see too many alerts from disconnected products. You need a way to reduce all that noise. You have to prioritize all your alerts and enable investigation and hunting across your entire data set. Breach investigations are complex and time-consuming as well. Every second counts when security personnel are handling a threat that might jeopardize their organization. The clock's ticking fast, 
but investigation requires highly skilled security analysts and can often take days or weeks. To add to that, the shortage of security talent makes this problem even worse. So the need for skilled security professionals has greatly increased, and supply cannot meet current or future demand. Now, these are just some of the challenges that organizations face today when dealing with security. So we're going to talk about ProServe IT's security house model. Now, you can think of this as a real house. You can have the foundation. You have some pillars to support it. You have a ceiling and a roof. So let's start off with the foundation. Every house needs a solid foundation to build on. Otherwise, obviously, it would fall. It would eventually be worthless. In our cybersecurity house model, the foundation is the security assessments with an outcome being a roadmap. Now, everybody knows security isn't a one-and-done deal. It's a journey. And you can never say, I'm 100% protected. But what you can say is, I've minimized the risk as much as possible to a state that I'm willing to accept. Now, in real life, Temperature changes, soil issues, water leaks are all examples that can cause house foundational problems. And all that happens with time. Similarly, in cybersecurity, as threats become more sophisticated, as attack techniques become more frequent, and as you introduce new services, you're going to have to solidify that foundation with a security assessment to understand the risks and attack vectors involved in protecting your organization. The outcome of the security assessments should be actionable items categorized by the severity of the risk detected that your organization can look forward to mitigate. Now, the foundation includes the vision or an ideal picture of a future state where you'd like to be, your desired state. It can also include the mission, the purpose or aim of such an assessment or such protecting your environment, um, the values, intrinsically important priorities, so prioritizing them from low risk, medium risk, high risk, critical. Management theory, how the senior leadership thinks about the risks that are present within your organization. And finally, strategy, which is the long-term plan of your action and priorities. Now, if each of these are clear and communicated to all stakeholders, it helps everyone to make decisions quickly and eventually implement the following pillars. Now, the next component of the house would be these pillars, which go above the foundation. And now these pillars support the ceiling and the roof of the house. Without these supporting pillars, the ceiling and roof would fall. In our cybersecurity house model, these pillars are the protection mechanisms that we put in place. It's the various security components that organizations have to look into to ensure that there's, they are secure enough. Each one of those pillars represent what our organizations should look or should have in order to be more secure and have somewhat of a secure baseline. Here at ProServe IT, we have four different levels of security maturity. The higher the level, the more secure you are. And we have defined level two to be that baseline that every organization should meet to be secure enough in today's world. The more you level up to level three or level four, the less your risks become and in turn, a more secure environment. So the pillars in this case are your identity and access management, your email security, your data security, endpoints, all the way to end user training. Now, once the assessment is complete, 
each pillar will be categorized by a level based on what the organization has. The roadmap will be associated with the organization's desired state of how secure they want to be. Now, all that depends on how much they want to invest, their resources, their upper management support and buy-in, and other factors as well. The next component is the ceiling. The ceiling is what holds all the pillars together. And in return, the pillars support the ceiling as well. So you've implemented the tech, you've got the resources, the documentation, the processes, whatever needs to be done to your organization to be put in a secure state. Now you need to be able to monitor your identities, your emails, your data, your endpoints, so on and so forth for any security risks. There's always going to be attacks against your organization, whether you like it or not. It's not a matter of if they get in, it's a matter of when they get in. So in order to do, you need an active monitoring solution or a security operations center that can continuously monitor your environment for threats. This is where security information and event management, or SIM for short, and security operations automation and response, or SOAR for short, come into play. One that I like to talk about is Microsoft Sentinel. So we'll get into that a little later in the course today. And finally, you need a roof on a house. The roof shields the house from things that can hurt it. In our cybersecurity house model, this is where our information security policies come into play that govern all the policies and procedures we have put in place within our house model. It governs the protection of information, which is one of the many assets a corporation needs to protect, how rules and procedures for all individuals accessing and using an organization's IT and assets and resources. The roof is also to ensure security governance for overseeing the cybersecurity teams who are responsible for mitigating business risks. All of these rooms or elements of a house can help us understand security a little more and the importance of every room in a house place to help support the organization's security requirements. So let's talk about simplifying security using our three-step approach. Phase number one would be the assess phase. It's the foundation of the house. The first thing you have to do is identify what needs to be assessed. You don't know what you don't know. So you have to assess your environment for any security gaps or risks and document them. This can help put things into perspective and give you a goal to look forward to. This is where the security roadmap comes into play. Then phase number two would be the protect phase. After you've identified what security gaps, you have to figure out how to mitigate those risks. Put the proper protection in place to reduce those risks as much as possible to a level the organization is willing to accept. Now, I stated earlier, those could be a specific technology, a process, documentation, resources, so on and so forth, to help mitigate these risks. And part of the assessment could be a governing body that requires you to protect your environment in a certain matter to meet the requirements. It could be requirements from cyber insurance companies, for example, or requirements to meet PCI DSS for payments. Each one of those governing bodies would have their own requirements that you'd have to meet, and all that will be determined as part of the assess phase, and it's up to you to protect your environment against those risks in phase number two, which is the protect phase. Phase number three would be the monitor and improve phase. 
So after you've protected your environment, you want to monitor the service to ensure compliance and be alerted on malicious activities happening. You want to continuously improve as threats increase in frequency and sophistication, or even if you've just added a new service to your organization. You want to go back, this will be a loop, go back to phase number one, perform a new assessment against the new service that you're adding, and figure out a way to protect it and eventually monitor it. So it is a three-step approach, but this three-step approach is going to be now, you know, it should not be looked into a linear matter. It just keeps going over and over again until your organization is in a secure state. Step number one would be the assess, as we had just talked about. Now, depending on your organization, where your assets live, what you have and don't have, there could be various types of assessments that can be completed. For example, we can complete a Microsoft Office 365 security assessment that can identify gaps in your Office 365 environment related to identity, email with Exchange, data within SharePoint OneDrive, your devices and endpoints, whether it's your laptop, your workstations, your servers, your mobile phones, so on and so forth. Maybe another assessment against your Azure environment where you're hosting your servers as well. Or if you still have servers on, on a domain on-premises, another assessment for those can be completed as well. Penetration tests, vulnerability assessments, phishing campaigns, all these are types of assessments that can help identify gaps within an organization and something for an organization to look forward to to mitigate the risks present. So the more information you have about the risks present to your organization, the better you can put an implementation plan to mitigate those risks. That's the main reason for performing these types of assessments. We like to perform our assessments in a three-phased approach. Number one would be a holistic questionnaire from, to understand your desired state from a security perspective, where you'd like to be down the line. Now, this helps us understand how a company approaches security topics in the organization. Number two would be a security maturity exercise to help us understand the company's current maturity state. And we'll be talking about that in the next slide. And finally, an audit of the environment. If it's Office 365, for example, an audit of the security measures put in place. Are they fully utilizing their licenses to the best of their abilities? Has everything been implemented already as per best practices? Or do they need any additional licenses to meet their desired state? These are some of the things that we do to ensure that the assessment provides the company with the best results and recommendations to make an informed decision on what needs to be done next. So this is the cybersecurity maturity assessment model. As you can see here, it's in four stages from unprepared, reactive, proactive, and optimized. Once we go through the cybersecurity maturity assessment together, we'll be able to understand where your organization fits between level zero to level three and rate each level of security or each component within the security model on depending on where you end up on this maturity label or maturity assessment. We can put your identity, for example, as a level one, as a reaction, reactive state. Maybe you've invested quite heavily in securing your endpoints and your devices, and you could be either in a proactive state or in the optimized state. 
So we'll have to go through these exercises, like I said, from a questionnaire's perspective, from the security maturity exercise perspective, as well as the actual audit, getting hands on onto the environment, taking a look around, seeing if everything's deployed correctly, the licenses that you're already invested in and, and paying for, are you fully utilizing those from a security perspective? Or could there be a couple of check boxes here and there that can improve your security posture? All that will help us determine your current maturity state and eventually come up with something that looks like this. For example, from an identity and, manage and access management perspective, you could be a level one, but your desired state would be to a level three. So this is just a sample of what the levels could look like based on the, that assessment. Obviously, there'll be more detail to it and recommend recommendations for the gaps and risks that were discovered, but just to show you an overall picture of what an organization's maturity state could look like. Step number two would be to protect. Now, when we get to level two, the protect phase, we want to look at what we can do to help mitigate the risks present. All the risks that we're able to uncover and document, we would have to tag them with a corresponding solution or process that can mitigate the risk to a level the organization is comfortable with. For example, to protect our identities, we definitely need to implement multi-factor authentication. This is usually the number one recommendation on all my reports if an organization doesn't have it already. It protects 99.9% .9 of attacks against your identities, and it's a no-brainer to have. It's also part of every single license within Office 365, so there's no really, not really an investment that really needs to be made. You just have to configure it, end-user end -user communication, training, and then finally enabling it. To protect our emails, for example, we need some sort of advanced email filtering solution like Defender for Office 365 that can help protect users from accidentally clicking on phishing links or from receiving malicious attachments. Now, by default, just if you're in Office 365, the default settings are not adequate enough for today's cybercrime world. It might have been adequate but three or four years ago, but in today's world where cybercrime is on the rise, attacks are more sophisticated than they were before, we have to enhance those settings. So just by having the built-in settings that come with a tenant by default are not enough in today's world. So we need to invest in an advanced email filtering solution like Defender for Office 365. And we definitely need to harden the existing settings that exist. We also want to implement some sort of spoof protection mechanisms that can help block bad actors from sending emails on our behalf and impersonating us. And those relate to SPF, DKIM, and DMARC, if you've heard of them. Pretty much if an attacker or a bad actor is trying to send emails pretending or impersonating your domain, there are ways for us to block those impersonation attacks from being received by the recipient. Another example is if we want to protect our data, we can apply some sort of data loss prevention policies to block whether it's malicious, intentional, or unintentional leakage of sensitive information. Or you can even take that as a step further and start classifying and labeling your documents and encrypting them based on the content and sensitivity. So for example, if you're working on a top secret project within your organization, if you are 
you know, let's just say a bakery, for example, and you have a top secret recipe that no one's supposed to know about, you definitely don't want that recipe leaked. So you want to take your, that extra measure to label and encrypt that document. So the doc, so the encryption travels with the document itself, regardless of how it was sent or shared or stolen or hacked for a fact that nobody's going to be able to open up that document except authorized personnel. For endpoints, we no longer want to see any traditional antivirus solutions on there. Antivirus solutions rely on definition updates from the vendor. So as you're aware, every virus has its own signature, its own pattern, and that's how AV solutions works. That's how traditional AV solutions work. You have to wait for that, for the vendor to release those patterns, to release that signature, and you download it on your machine so that your machine can start detecting that type of virus. What we want to see is endpoint detection and response solutions or EDR solutions that are AI driven and can understand the attack chain and stop it in its tracks before damage is done. This is where Defender for Endpoint comes into play. So if Defender for Endpoint realizes that this file is not supposed to be modified within your system settings or your files are starting to change or manipulate the data that's within them, that is malicious behavior. A traditional antivirus solution will not be able to detect that, but an endpoint detection response solution like Defender for Endpoint would realize the behaviors are not common and stop the attack before any damage is done. So the point being, if we have a gap somewhere, we have to follow the recommended plan and act on it, depending on the risks involved and how much risk the organization is willing to tolerate. And depending where you fall on the maturity matrix, the maturity state within your environment, there could be one solution or another that can fit your needs to ensure you reduce your risk as much as possible. Now we can even tag certain technologies with the five NIST functions. Now for those of you that don't know, NIST stands for National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's a regulatory body that offers guidelines to other organizations on security or just technology-related matters. There's never a one-size-fits-all in security, but there's always a baseline that a company can follow to ensure that they have the minimum protection in place in today's world of cybercrime. The five NIST functions are identify, detect, protect, respond, and recover. And each one of those functions is mapped with a specific Microsoft technology that can help with the overall picture on how to protect your environment from bad actors. So for example, if you are looking to protect, they're all color-coded here. So if you're looking to protect your identity, for example, you can take a look at the teal color under the protect function or under the protect pillar in this case. If you want to be able to recover, which is the last function of the NIST functions, you have your Azure backups or your site recovery. It really depends on what we're trying to do. We can also map it against NIST functions to help us understand where our gaps are. Now, step three would be to monitor and improve. And the main way we want to monitor would be using a SIM solution. So how can you monitor and improve as a final step within our simplifying security conversation? Like I stated, it's through a SIM solution like Microsoft Sentinel. 
Now, what is Microsoft Sentinel? Microsoft Sentinel is a scalable, cloud-native, SIM and source solution. So the SIM component allows us to analyze event data in real time. We want to be able to detect very early these targeted attacks and data breaches. And it also allows us to collect, store, and investigate on log data for incident response, forensics, and regulatory compliance. The SOAR component helps security teams make the jump from just simply collecting the data to streamlining security operations by using something that we call playbooks. Now, playbooks help us automate many of the tasks required to respond to security events today. I'll give you a couple of examples. So let's just say somebody has been signing in from within Canada or the States, and then 15 minutes later, we see a sign-in activity happening within from China or Russia, and then we see more malicious activities happening there. That's an immediate red flag, and we want to be able to automate some sort of response that can mitigate the risk in a short period of time. So we can run a playbook that can block the account, revoke access, reset the password, and kick the bad actors out of that account. So that way you can slowly investigate, do what needs to be done in order to understand what had happened, how did this bad actor come into play, but rest assured you know that the risk has been mitigated just by kicking the bad actors out, you've reset the password, you've blocked the account, and now you can start your forensics, you can start your, your incident response process. Now, the way Microsoft Sentinel works is by correlating the security logs and signals from all sources, whether it's through your applications, your infrastructure, your network, your users, whether they reside on-premises, in Azure, or any other cloud platform. And it alerts us whenever these anomalies in the events are detected. Now, this end-to-end -end solution for security operations can be broken down into four main phases. Phase number one would be the collect phase. You want to be able to collect logs and data from various sources. Office 365 could be a source. Azure servers, just Azure in general, Azure activity. Workstations, firewalls. It could be your Google Cloud. It could be your Amazon Web Services. It doesn't really matter what the data source is. If it contains logs, there are ways for us to ingest those logs into Sentinel. So it can either be a very simple ingestion process through something that we call data connectors. Sometimes it's just a couple of checkboxes, clicking apply. Suddenly we're starting to ingest logs from that service. Others from third-party connectors, for example, whether it's built in or not, there might be extra steps that need to happen, whether it's creating API calls to ingest those logs, whether it's using logic apps, custom logs that are saved on a server somewhere. There can be many ways for us to ingest those logs into the product. As of today, there are 123 different connectors and it's continuously growing. And by connectors, we mean, you know, it could be a Cisco firewall, it could be your Palo Alto firewalls, it could be your servers, it could be syslog activity, your network logs, VMware. There's a lot of connectors available today, just out of the box. And if a connector does not exist, like I said, there's probably some custom solution that we can develop to integrate that, those logs with Microsoft Sentinel. So once we have all those logs, you want to be able to detect security incidents with analytic rules that we create. For example, I want to generate an alert 
when somebody successfully signs into my account from any country outside of Canada. So I'll just create that query whenever there's sign-in activity happening from my account and it's a successful one because I bet you if I log into every single one of your tenants, you're going to see a lot of failed attempts from all over the world, just people trying to break into your accounts, all automated. So I want to make sure that if it was successful, I want to be alerted by it on the spot and possibly even attach some sort of playbook to it to automatically mitigate the risk for me to start my investigation right after. Now, there's different types of analytic rules that, be, that can be created. Some are guided by AI. Some are scheduled queries that run every five minutes or so. But at the end of the day, we want to be alerted anytime some sort of malicious activities are happening. So once we're able to detect an alert pops up, we want to go into phase three, which is the investigation phase. We want to be able to investigate the alert and find the root cause in a short period of time. That helps us understand the scope of the incident. Who was affected? Was it one user? Was it multiple users? Did somebody just click on a link? Did it download something to their endpoint? So Sentinel helps us throughout that investigation process. It draws us the bigger picture to help us find the root cause of a potential security threat. Now, once we find what that security threat is, we want to be able to respond as quickly as possible to eliminate the threat using automation when possible. So even if we don't have these playbooks, we've completed our investigation, at least now we know what their root cause is, what had happened based on the logs that we're seeing, let's go in and start mitigating these risks. And if we see a pattern with a lot of suspicious activity happening in a certain area, we can then create those automation response, those playbooks, and helps us mitigate those risks in a timely fashion. So that's the monitoring side of things. Now, how can we improve? Just based on the alerts that we're seeing, we can continuously improve your security posture by mitigating these risks that we're able to capture with Microsoft Sentinel. So if we're seeing a repetitive alerts pop up, if we're seeing, let's just say, anonymous activity happening within SharePoint, people are sharing links from SharePoint using an anonymous link, meaning you don't need any authentication processes to sign in and take a look at that document or whatever people are sharing. If we see those alerts or we see those, those incidents pop up within the Sentinel platform, we know that people are sharing sensitive information possibly using anonymous links. And if anybody gains access to those anonymous links, then they'll be able to access that document and open it up without authentication, without having to type in a username and password. All they need is the link. So that helps us improve and figure out, all right, we have a gap here. Let's see how we can close that gap. Let's disable anonymous link usage and always allow authenticated access and possibly even take it a step further, allow guests access only when they MFA themselves. So if that organization, even if they don't want to apply MFA within their own organization, but if you want to access our resources, we need you to be MFA enabled or multi-factor authentication enabled because we don't know who you are if your account has been compromised and hackers are have taken over your account, at least they still need your mobile phone or a third party device to access the document that we had shared. And that concludes our first episode of What the Tech in our cybersecurity series brought to you by ProServe IT. 
We hope you found this episode enlightening and gained valuable knowledge on how to simplify your organization's security journey. In our next episode, we will explore Microsoft's Zero Trust Model, a groundbreaking approach to securing your digital assets. Discover how this model challenges traditional security paradigms and provides enhanced protection. Join us for episode two as we delve into the secrets of the Zero Trust Model. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to having you with us next time on What the Tech.